Here at Doxedo Hatfield, we are a family on mission. Make sure to get connected by joining us at one of our Sunday services. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now listen to me. The world is not coming to an end, but the world as we used to know it is. I know it feels like, it's almost like we've been uprooted into a new normal. And I know that the question on everyone's heart at the moment is how then should we live in this new reality? Now that probably sounds like South Africa or the rest of the world for that matter in 2020. But this thought actually comes from more than two millennia ago. You see, about 25 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, one of his 12 disciples, Peter, wrote a series of letters to the church whose world had been turned upside down exactly like ours. The Roman Emperor Nero had brutally started persecuting the church, driving them out of their homes and provinces, scattering them all over Asia Minor. And suddenly this community had been rocked. Their lives had been disrupted like never before. I think so many of us at the moment feel exactly like that. This is a season of isolation and of disruption like we've never had in our lives before. If I even just think of the words that were not even part of our vocabulary a couple of months ago, and now you can't escape them. Words like coronavirus or social distancing, pandemic, COVID-19. How about face masks? Or is it, is it up here? Not, not too certain. Or hand washing, or flattening the curve, or recession, or unprecedented. Everyone keeps saying that. It's so easy with all of these ideas and concepts and words and news and things coming our way to just end up feeling hopeless. But Dr. Hatfield, I want to tell us that this is not the first time the church over the last 2,000 years has had to endure many a new normal. And every time it's had to refocus and reroute itself on the truth. And the word that has emerged every single time in that season is the word hope. Hope. And I know some of you are rolling your eyes as I say that, but I'm not speaking of cheap hope. I'm not speaking of wishful thinking or just putting your head in the sand and not noting all the realities, not keeping abreast with what's happening. I'm speaking of deep-rooted, Christ-focused hope. That's what this letter called First Peter is all about. How do we endure? How do we even thrive in this season? How can we reroute ourselves? And so we are starting a brand new series today as we're going to work through First Peter and we're calling it Rooted Hope, our new normal. Because Hatfield, I want to tell you, this is not the moment for us to become armchair critics of the government, to become silent partners of the church, to become anemic in our faith, to become socially distant from one another. This is a moment for us to refocus and to to reroute ourselves, to reestablish ourselves as Peter is going to challenge and encourage us in Christ identity, in Christ community, and in Christ activity. This is a moment for us to take the word of God Be with the people of God in the Spirit of God. So will you open up your Bible with me? Um, If you've been on the couch the last season without it, this is the ideal moment to bring it back into our Sunday gatherings, and you can open it with me to the book of 1 Peter. So I think it's best if you probably go to the back of your Bible if you don't have a device. 
Um, start with the book of Revelation, page back, and you will find First Peter. And you're going to see that as he opens this letter, as with all these letters in the New Testament, it's a crucial moment because in it usually the theme and the thrust of the whole series, the whole letter, the whole, the whole train of thought is established. So read with me here. First Peter 1. Peter says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And I want to stop us here just for a moment. I think it's so crucial that in this season we actually go through something written by Peter because he's someone we can actually relate to. You know, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, I think very often he's a very unrelatable character. He's so high and aloof. He's this, this clear thinking, almost academic philosopher type person. I think he's the kind of guy who would, you know, just sip a bit of green tea while working through some deep philosophical poetry in the Hebrew mind. Peter is an everyday's man. He's the kind of guy who would binge watch Tiger King twice through. <laughs> you know, he's the kind of guy who would just flip his beard over his head instead of wearing his face mask. He's the kind of guy we can all relate to. And if you look at his journey, it's not one of having it all figured out at the beginning. We see actually in Matthew 16, he rejects the idea of Jesus going to the cross. He wants to stop him from doing that. In Luke 22, he actually abandons Jesus outright. But it's so beautiful, as with our lives often, this, this hard man, this kind of rough-edged character like we often are, Jesus comes in John 21, and he redeems him. He calls him once again, and he says, don't give up now. I have called you. And so Peter is the one in Acts 2 who preaches probably the first powerful sermon in the church's history. Even in the name change that Peter undergoes, he used to be called Simon, but then Jesus comes and he speaks this word over him and he says, now you'll be called Petros, Peter. And it's almost like he's saying, you are not alone in the identity you find in the activities or the realities of your life. Yes, Simon, that is a reality. Some of the failures and the shortcomings, that's true. And some of us feel like that at the moment. You know, I've not made all the right decisions during this lockdown period. I've been stressed. I've been angry. I've been short-tempered. I've been... I've been spreading things to other people. I've been saying things that I'm sorry about. Yes, that Simon reality and activity is there. But Jesus says, as many would start calling him, you are now Simon Peter. It's almost as if this identity that Christ gives him becomes an even greater reality in his life. Yes, there are some truths to what's happening at the moment. But I want to say that there is an even greater identity available to us. Yes, activities. Yes, realities. But the Peter that Jesus comes to add to your life is so crucial in this moment. So he says, yes, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those chosen, living as exiles, dispersed abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. And he says, chosen according to what? The foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peter does just two very simple things in this opening. He says, let me dive right into the realities that you are facing and then let me meet that with truth. He says, I'll, I know for you that have been scattered there are things that are making you so hopeless at the moment. And he doesn't ignore them. He doesn't sidestep them. He enters right into them. He says, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the chosen, living as exiles, dispersed 
abroad. See, these Christians, because of political pressure, because of their faith in Jesus, they had been driven out of safety. This word, exile, means to be in isolation. That's something that we can all so relate to at the moment. This idea of being dispersed means to be driven away from the people, the the places of safety, the gatherings that you used to have that, that brought identity and hope to your heart. These are a people that have been brutally put, as it were, under lockdown. And Peter says, I acknowledge the realities that you are facing. We don't have to ignore those. Let's speak about them for a moment. I think for all of us, there are realities all throughout the spectrum. There are emotional realities. Some of you have to deal at the moment with the fact that some of your family members have regressed into all destructive patterns of thinking and doing because of stress at the moment. Some of you have to run literally from your house, a school, a business, a marriage, a a fake news deflecting station. All of that is on you. There's an emotional factor. There's a financial factor. Some of you have had your retirement annuity cut in half, and now such uncertain thoughts reign in your mind as to what the future is going to look like. Some of your salaries have just been pulled right out from under you, and now it's just a scramble to figure out how will I live, how will I provide for my family or for myself. It's not just emotional and financial, but vocational realities. For some of you, you have lost your job. And now the question is, but even in my sector, things have depressed. I'm not sure if there's going to be something left for me at the end of this whole thing. Some of you are right at the beginning of your career. You're in your early 20s, and you thought, man, life was like this this oyster ahead of me, and now I'm so uncertain. But not just that, there's a physical reality to it as well. Some of the guys in our church as frontline workers in the health sector, having to face those things every single day. Will I be infected? What will that mean for my life and my health? Some of the moms in the church thinking, listen, if I contract this virus, what will happen to my family? How will I support them and love them? There's a spiritual dimension to this in reality. So many of you have faced massive challenges in your own faith, questions. God, where are you in this moment? I'm uncertain. What's going on? Some of you have faced the ridicule of friends and family, maybe colleagues that have been saying, why do you hold on to this thing? God is not going to protect you. I don't even think he's there in this moment. There's a psychological reality. You're getting bombarded from from all sides, from people and videos and articles and things, everyone claiming to know exactly what's going on. This is the story you have to believe at the moment. Some of you are just getting constant headaches. You're not sleeping well because you are faced all the time with just trying to keep up with all the changes and everyone's pressuring you. Every article that's coming out is saying you're going to have to reskill and re-gear and restructure your life. Peter says, I want to acknowledge the realities that you face. It's true. And in this moment, I want to say that we can acknowledge those realities as Peter does, but then he goes on. It doesn't end there. Peter doesn't stop with the realities or the activities that they are caught up in, but he moves to an even greater truth. He says, yes, we can feel absolutely hopeless when we are faced with these realities, but he says, I want to come and show you how you can be rooted in an unbreakable identity. This is a season of feeling uprooted, 
but we can be rerouted. We can, we can throw our roots deeper into an unbreakable identity. Whose we are in life at this moment is much more important than where we are and what we have or what we've lost. Who we are. What is the identity that I live from in this moment? Listen to what he says. He says, you, exiles, you that are dispersed, you are chosen. Verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to the sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's keep our focus on Him because of His great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. In verse 5, He says, you are being guarded by God's power through faith. He says, let's start not with ourselves, but let's start with God. Let's start with identity. You know, our eldest, Abigail, she uh, has been struggling the last couple of weeks. You know, having to suddenly run school from home. She used to be in an English school, and now she's in an Afrikaans school. And suddenly all these things, Afrikaans and math, they just don't make sense. And so I've seen a couple of times where Shay, my wife, they've had to engage with one another. And then she cries and she says, I can't do this. I feel stupid. I I don't think I'm capable. It's all the activity and the reality. And it's, it's so amazing to hear how my wife is not to just, you know, she can't just engage on the activity side. She's had to move over to the identity side and say, listen, we love you. God has put something special in you. You are our child. We are proud of you. You can do this. This is what Peter is coming to do. He's meeting this dispersed church, this church under pressure, and he's saying, let's not get stuck in the activities or the realities. Let's not start with ourselves. Let's start with God, because that's the temptation in this season. Everything falls apart, and we look firstly to our own hearts. We look to ourselves, you know, the mistakes that we've made, the the decisions we could have taken better, the regrets, the performance. We look to our own pedigree. And the problem with that is then it's all on us. It almost feels like, you know, it's like a Disney theme song. You know, look into your heart. And Peter says, no, I don't agree with you. Let's not look into our own hearts. Let's let's not look to ourselves. Let's not look inward, but let's look upward. Let's look to God. He is the one who has secured you. This salvation that he has worked in your heart is not something of your doing. It's something of his doing. And that forms your identity. It's the Peter to your Simon. Yes, there are realities. Yes, there are activities. But there's something even greater than that. He says, you have been chosen. That's such a powerful word. It means that the initiative to restore you and redeem you and renew you was not of your doing. It was God who initiated that. You know, a couple of the the couples in our church, they have already gone through or are busy with the whole process of adoption, which is a beautiful but sometimes very difficult process. And I can promise you, if you speak to them, you will hear that it's, you know, it's not these poor kids that phone them up and say, please, will you bring me into your family? It's their initiative 
into these young lives that puts this process on the go. They have chosen. That's what it says. Peter is saying God is the one. It's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, he says, who has had the whole thing planned out and who's working it for the good in your life. It's the foreknowledge of God. God has made the decision. It's the Holy Spirit who is, who is powerfully working. It's using that word sanctification, which is a fancy church word to say set apart. The Holy Spirit has set you apart for God. And Jesus willingly gave himself. We didn't coerce him into it. We didn't ask him, beg him to come. No, he said, I will give of my life so that you can be restored. Your Simon will become a Simon Peter. You have a greater identity, Peter says. So our tendency is to start with activity. Okay, things are falling apart, so let me do, let me do, let me do. Let me fix this. Let me lean on my own wisdom, on my own strength, on my own abilities. But the problem is, if I do that, I have to have this perfect track record. I have to make everything work. And the moment that I fail, I crumble on the inside because my identity is built on what I can accomplish in this season. And Peter challenges that. He says, don't look to your activity first. Don't look to to those things or the realities, but first look to God. Yes, you are under massive pressure. Yes, the church is dispersed at this point. Yes, we feel like exiles, but he says, listen to me. God the Father, his Son and his Spirit is powerfully at work. The Father is the one who is speaking his truth over you every day. So you do not have to live under the constant tension, the constant confusion of fake news or all these narratives flying around. He says the Holy Spirit is giving you his very own creativity. So yes, you can salvage your business. Take out that piece of paper and start again. He says Jesus is the one who has willingly given his life for you so that you can be redeemed. So you don't have to live under self-pity at this point. You can in fact be someone who serves others sacrificially even in this moment. Like a good father, he's saying, you can do this. Why? Because I am powerfully at work within you. See, Christianity is not a set of teachings that we simply apply. If that's where you are at this point, you know, I just need to get this right once again. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit low, but I'm going to get it right. If that's what we think, we are going to falter in this season. We're going to crumble. Our roots are going to die out. It's almost like the the third president of the United States of America, Thomas Jefferson, he famously made his own version of the Bible. He cut out all the parts where God intervened, the miracles, and God acting, because he said that offended him, this idea that God would interfere with, with human affairs. And he came up with his own version of the Bible, and he called it the life and morals of Jesus of Nazareth. Isn't that amazing? The life and the morals. What is Christianity to him? It's a lifestyle. It's being strong morally. It's being a good person. But that will not last in this season. And just contrast that to what the Bible says. The good news is not that you can be a good and strong and better person in lockdown. This is the good news. Titus 3 verse 4. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, speaking of Jesus, He saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, 
through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. God is saying, don't look to yourself or to your circumstances or to your activity first, but look to what I have done. Root yourself in an unbreakable identity of not the do and the do and the do, but what Christianity is, done. Jesus has done this. And the second thing that Peter says, we find this identity, firstly, by not looking at ourselves, but looking to God, but secondly, by seeing the season that we are in for what it is. It's but one moment in the context of eternity, and there is greatness waiting. So read with me. He says, yes, this is what God has done in your life. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. But then he says, it's not just from something, but into. He says, and into an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, he says, you can rejoice even now. Yes, for a short time if necessary. You do suffer griefs in various trials so that the proven character of your faith more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter is not saying that we have the full picture yet. We have all the answers now. We have full understanding, but he's saying you have this absolute sure knowledge that God has saved. He is busy working in your life, and he will bring it to full completion at the end. We don't have to look at this life and this life alone. If that's where we are, if I'm living only for, for this 20 to 60 to 80 years, I should be pitied. Then this, this whole you know, global pandemic and recession, it is going to rock me to my very core. But if I know that God has called me, that he has commissioned me in this world, but he is also promising much greater things to come, not, not an existence on, on a cloud somewhere, playing a harp with a half-naked baby with wings. No, he's saying, I am going to recreate all things. And the new heavens and the new earth will not be less tangible and less real, but more tangible and more real. Work and play and hobbies and friendship will be greater than they were. He says that existence is kept for you. Your salvation is kept for you. Sometimes people say we shouldn't, we shouldn't, you know, think about, we shouldn't long for eternity. Well, that's only if we become people with our heads only in the clouds. But Peter is saying we should be people with our head in the clouds and our boots on the ground. Because we are convinced of the eternal perspective of what God is doing in our lives, we can get to work now. Whatever I've lost, God is going to bless a hundredfold over I do not have to live for now only. In fact, Peter says that those things that above the ground, if we think about a root system and a tree, we, we sang in the series that we want to be rooted in hope. Peter is saying, and when he speaks of the character of our faith, even in these trials actually being refined, he's saying that, yes, the above ground realities of a tree can face destruction. But even in that moment, what's going on below the ground can actually be strengthened. I was reading the National Forest Foundation's article on forest fires, 
and how over the last two decades they've realized how trees actually get strengthened at times through these trials. Um, They call this process, ecologists, fire regimes. And they say that when trees develop these strong and comprehensive root systems, even when there is damage and destruction up top, you see these trees doubling down. They go deeper and stronger in their root system. Peter is saying, if I can see the season for what it is, it's not the full picture. It's a difficult moment, but it is a moment in the greater glory of what Jesus is doing. I can actually see my character formed in this moment. Who I am, whose I am, and who I am becoming is much more important than what I have, what I've lost or what I can do. So, listen to what Jesus says in John 10, verse 27. If this doesn't bring security to my heart, he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch, me, snatch them out of my hand. Just that last part again. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus says, trust me in this moment. So just an action item for us. It would simply be this. We have to catch a glimpse of this reality. We have to every day during this lockdown and beyond in this new normal, if we are going to flourish, if we are going to root ourselves in hope, we have to catch a glimpse of this great truth every day. Listen to what it says in the last part of our passage for today. First Peter He says, concerning this salvation, all of this that I've been speaking about, the greatness of what God is doing, he says, angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. God has for humans and humans alone done something so, so lavish, so incredible, so outlandish in his love and holiness for his glory through Jesus on the cross, that the angels, they long to understand, to just catch a glimpse of what that grace means. And God says, I've done that in your life. You know, in 2014, a couple in the the town of Toulouse in France, as they were trying to fix just a leak in their roof, they went into the attic for the first time, and they found a 400-year-old painting. They just caught a glimpse as they just popped their heads into this attic. And now this painting is said to be worth $136 million. How's that? That's 2.5 billion rand. (laughs) And it's because they just popped their heads into this attic and they caught a glimpse. Friends, we have such a resource in God. What he has done, not just the Simon of your life, but Simon Peter, what I say over you, and also what I am continually doing into eternity. This is not the full picture. There is greatness still to come. If I don't see that every day, if I don't speak about that every day, if I don't read about that every day, if I don't pray about that every day, if I don't worship in that every day, it's going to fade and my roots will shrivel. Can I challenge us just with one thing? Can we in this time, it doesn't have to be three hours, but 10 minutes, five minutes if you have to start there. Every single day, just pray, just read. Put on music that speaks of this truth. Those minutes start counting up. And every single time I do that, the roots 
go deeper and deeper into an identity. Peter says, yes, you are dispersed, you are challenged, you are under pressure. It's all true, but there's something even more true. Throw your roots into that. Let's pray. Jesus, I just pray for every single person and couple, every family, every business represented in Hatfield. God, may we be rooted not in just trying harder, not just being better people, but rooted in the good news gospel of Jesus. May we be rooted in hope. In Jesus' name we pray.